Of course, for the last several weeks, we've been looking at the faith journey of Abraham. Now, Abraham is the first man in the Bible to completely walk by faith with God. Now, you study other people, you look at Noah, and of course Noah, he found favor in the sight of God, and he built the ark for God, and that took an incredible amount of faith for God to come to him. And when Noah, where Noah lived, and of course until the flood, it had never rained. Uh, whenever the crops needed to be watered, the Bible says a mist would come up out of the ground and would water the plants and, and, and vegetables there so they could eat. And so it had never rained. So when, when God comes to Noah and says, Noah, I know you live in, a, in a, an area that's far away from the ocean. You've never seen the ocean. You've never even seen a boat. I want you to build a big old boat. And I'm going to fill it with animals because it's going to rain. And Noah's like, well, what's rain, God? And God's like, don't worry about it. Just do what I said. Now, Noah, by faith, built the ark. But God had told him what the end result was. God had told him, Noah, I'm going to flood the earth. And this ark is going to save you and the animals. And so I need you to do this. So Noah, yes, he built the ark by faith. But he kind of had an idea of what was going on. And man, it wouldn't be awesome if God always gave us the plan and asked us to do what he said. I want you to do this because here's what I'm doing. But he doesn't do that anymore. When he came to Abraham, at 75 years old, he comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, I want you to leave the place where you are, or the counties where you're successful, you're established, your family's here, your friends are here, everything you know is here, your business is here. I want you to leave where you're at and go to a place I will... Sh he didn't tell him where to go. He said, just pack up and leave, and you keep walking until I tell you to stop. And Abraham said, okay, God. That took an incredible amount of faith to just follow God with no idea what was going to happen. So he's the first man to completely walk by faith with God. And he was a man who was dedicated to a life of faith. He, he showed, and through his journey with God, he experienced some incredible victories. He saw God do some incredible things through his life because of his faith. But he also had failures. And that's why I love the Bible. It doesn't hide the failures of the men, the people we call the heroes of the faith. They're some pretty messed up dudes. Abraham was a liar. Moses, you know, Moses who wrote the first five books of the Bible was a murderer. King David, great King David, slew the giant with the sling and led Israel to victory and brought the nations together. And man, just did incredible things. Man, he committed adultery and murder. Solomon, who, who got Israel to its, to its golden age, who, who brought them, who was the wisest man, the wealthiest man in the world. He had over 600 wives. That's 600 mother-in-laws. Why would you do that? That's not wise to me, Solomon. That's a dumb thing to do. But he allowed those wives, the Bible says, to turn his heart from God. So the Bible doesn't hide the failures of the men and the women in it. It shows them to us because it gives us hope. Because we know we're pretty messed up. And if God can use these guys, man, now, I don't know about y'all. I hope, I know, that none of you have murdered anyone, but I don't know. I haven't done a background check on all of you yet. I'm working through it. I'm, I'm almost there. And so I don't know, you, maybe, maybe you have murdered somebody. That's, that's between you and the Lord, amen? But if God can use them, God can use us. So we look at Abraham like, man, incredible man, incredible faith, the father of faith, called a friend of God. Man, wouldn't you be great to be called the friend of God who got to talk to God face to face? But man, Abraham messed up some. He had some huge failures. Some incredible times where his faith in God 
got weak, and he stopped trusting in God, and he started trusting in himself. And that's where we looked at the last time we met. Of course, last week I was on vacation. He had Brother Henderson here. And the week before that, we preached on this. But the fumes were so bad, we weren't here. We got here, and everybody was passing out because of the fumes from the floor. So I preached this on Facebook. So most of you probably didn't hear that message because you may not have Facebook. It's on Facebook and podcast now. So if you want to go back, you can listen to it. But today's message kind of builds off of the last time, the last message. So we're going to kind of spend some time catching up on what we looked at last time. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 10 through 20, we see one of the darkest times in Abraham's life. One of the darkest times in his faith journey with God. In this, these passages, Abraham made a decision that affects us all the way to today. During a famine in Canaan, he, he is in Canaan. He is in the land of promise. He is where God has told him to be. He is at the place where God has told him, Abraham, here's the land I'm going to give to you. I'm going to give it to your children. I'm going to provide for you here. I'm going to bless you here. I'm going to take care of you here. This is the land you need to be. And when he is where God wants him to be, the land where God promised to protect him, where God promised to provide for him, where God promised to take care of him, a famine hits. And Abraham's faith grows weak. And he starts to think, maybe God can't take care of me like he said he would. Maybe God can't provide for me like he said he could because there's a famine here and I've got a family to take care of. I've got my wife and my kids and my herds and my, 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 my servants and all I've got to take care of. So I've got to take care of things myself. His faith gets weak and he makes a decision to leave Canaan, to leave the land of promise, to leave the place God wants him to be, to go down to Egypt. Now, he is where, in Canaan, he is where God wants him to be, but because trouble comes, his faith gets weak, and he leaves the will of God. And the fact that he left where God wanted him to be was, was problematic in of itself. But the fact that he went to Egypt is even worse. He didn't go back to Haran, where he'd spent several years. He didn't go back to Ur of the Chaldees. He didn't go home. He went, the Bible says, down Egypt. Egypt in the Bible represents, for the believer, it represents the world. It represents a life lived separated from God. It represents a life lived in dependence upon self. Girls, come on and sit down. It represents a life lived separated from God. It's where Israel lived in bondage for 400, for 400 years. And while they were in bondage for 400 years... God never talked to them. They were separated from God. And even when, when God finally heard their prayer and sent Moses to lead them out of Egypt, and he takes them out of Egypt, and he, he leads them through the Red Sea, and he conquers the, the Egyptian army, and incredible victories, they get a little thirsty, and they get a little hungry, and they say, Moses, you should have left us in Egypt in slavery to die, because it would be better to die in slavery than live out here in freedom. They, they, they had a desire, the world a life separate from God always gives us a hunger for what we feel like we're missing. Now, the Israelites, they weren't missing a thing. And it's amazing. You read the scriptures, what they're, they're complaining about. Like, we, you know, they're eating manna from heaven. Now, the Bible describes manna from, it says it's angel's food. It tasted like, like honey wafers. I honestly believe they ate honeycomb cereal. I can eat me some honeycomb cereal, 
for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I love me some honeycomb. So to me, I'm like, God gives me honeycomb every single day. Praise the Lord. But they're like, God's given us food from heaven. God's given us water from a rock. But we sure miss the onions and the leeks and the garlic from Egypt. I'm like, really? You're missing garlic? You have honeycomb and you're missing garlic? We wish we could go back to slavery for garlic. So he gives us this hunger for things that are not as satisfying as a life lived for God. When Abraham, now of course the world is one of the enemies of the child of God, it produces a desire inside of us that is contrary to the will of God, that is contrary to what God wants for us. So when Abraham left Canaan to go to Egypt, he did more than just take a trip to a different country. He left the will of God to pursue his own will. He left the place where God wanted him to be to go where he wanted. He left the place of, of dependence upon God to depend on himself. And if we're honest, it's a journey that most of us take at some point in our life. Let me rephrase that. It's a journey that all of us take at some time in our life. We stop trusting in God and start trusting in ourselves. Because we can do it better than God. Because we know more than God. Sometimes we feel that way. You can, you can sit there and say, I've never felt that way, preacher. And I'll pray that you stop lying to yourself and get right with God. And realize, hey, we all get there. We all get to the place where we're like, you know what, God? I can, I can do better than you. And that's where Abraham is. God, I can take care of my family. You, pro you said you'd provide for me, but there's a famine, so I'm going to take matters into my own hands, and I'm going to do what I have to do to provide for my family. Abraham's lack of faith calls him to go down to Egypt, to leave the land of provision, to leave the land of promise, to leave the land of preparation with God, to go to a place where he, he lied to others, and eventually he began to live the lie and bring pain into his life, and eventually pain into the life of his nephew and pain into our life as well. Because when he goes to Egypt, he doesn't go alone. He takes Lot with him. His nephew, years later, when him and Lot have to separate because there's, there's struggle between their two clans, Lot, he tells Lot, he goes, Lot, you take wherever you want to go. And Lot looked to the plains where Sodom and Gomorrah were and said, they look like Egypt. And I liked Egypt, so I'm going there. He goes to the lands where Sodom and Gomorrah are. He lives there for years, gets comfortable there. God decides to destroy those two cities. And Lot loses his, at least two of his daughters and their, their, their husbands, maybe grandchildren. His wife turns into a pillar of salt because he, he, he wanted to go to a place that reminded him of Egypt. He eventually commits incest with his two daughters. Why? Because one day Abraham lacked faith and said, I'm going to go down to Egypt to take care of it myself. When he came out of Egypt, you know who he came with? He came with a young girl named Hagar. Hagar in several chapters, man. She caused a lot of trouble because Sarah starts to lose faith and says, Abraham, I know God promised you kids through me, but I'm, you know, I'm almost 90. I don't think it's going to happen, big boy. But here's my, my handmaid, this Egyptian girl. You can go have a kid with her. So Abraham, he obeys his wife. He, he, he sleeps with his handmaid. She has a child named Ishmael. And Ishmael is the, the father of the Muslim and the Islam, Islamic nations. And so even to this day, we're dealing with Abraham one day saying... I can't trust God anymore. I've got to go down to Egypt. All because he lacked faith. That's a, that's a pretty big mistake. Now, look, we've all made mistakes. 
But we haven't made mistakes that have, you know, ruined the whole world. Abraham has. Now, you may have messed up your world, but not the whole world. Abraham, that's a pretty big mistake that Abraham did. So he left Canaan, the land of promise, during a time of famine to go to Egypt, a picture of the world. He had to go down into Egypt. So anytime a believer leaves the place where God wants him to be, they're on a downward path. And we see in Abraham's actions, while he is in Egypt, he lies about his relationship with Sarah to protect himself. Remember, when God called him and said, hey, anyone that blesses you, I'm going to bless them. Anyone that curses you, I'm going to curse them. I'm going to protect you. He goes to Egypt and he looks at his 75-year-old wife says, honey, you're, you're pretty hot. And these Egyptians, you're, you're so hot, they're going to kill me to get to you. So don't tell them you're my wife. Tell them you're my sister, which was partially true. She was his half-sister. You know, they were in a, the, Egyptian, the West Virginia part of the early Chaldees. So he marries his half-sister. And, uh, and so he says, hey, don't tell me you're my wife. Tell me because I want to protect me. So he, he lies about his relationship with his wife. He says, well, she's my sister. He doesn't tell him the whole truth and allows her to be taken by Pharaoh to be his wife. Just lets it happen. But why? Because he's scared. Because he lacked faith. So he, he went down on a downward path. He gets Sarah to take part in his lie. He becomes self-centered, and he makes it possible for others to fall into sin. He left Egypt worse than he found it, and he ruined his testimony in the eyes of the Egyptians. Why? Because he had a day in his life where he lacked faith. To say the least, Abraham's trip to Egypt was a disaster. You ever felt like you've just completely messed up? An entire situation. But the good news is, we see in the, light, in the failure of Abraham that no failure needs to be permanent in our journey with God. So look in your Bibles in Genesis chapter 13, verse number 1. The Bible says, And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had and lot with him, into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai, unto the place of the altar which he made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now Abraham, when he lacked faith, he went down into Egypt. When he's returning to his relationship with God, the Bible says he went up out of Egypt. He took a downward path away from God and an upward path back to God. So last week we saw the steps that Abraham took to get away from God. This morning I want to see the steps he took to come back to God. And this morning that we're going to see some things that his journey back to God involved. First thing his journey back to involved, it involved removing. Look again at verse number one, and Abram went up out of Egypt he and his wife and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and in gold. You cannot go, away, go from away from God to getting back to God without getting rid of some things you picked up while you're away from God. You have to remove yourself from the place that kept you away from your relationship with God. Egypt was where he fled to when he lacked faith in God. So to get back to God, he had to leave the place of doubt. Now, the Bible doesn't say there's, the famine's over. The famine's not over. The famine's still going on. He's leaving, number one, because Pharaoh kicked him out. 
But he's leaving the place of doubt to go back to the place of faith. So he had to leave the doubt behind. Separation from the places that took us away from God are a requirement if we are going to walk by faith with God. Hebrews 12.1 says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The Egypt was a weight for Abraham, not the place, but what it represented. It represented a life of self-sufficiency. It represented a life that lacked faith in God. So he had to get away from Egypt, had to get away from where he trusted in himself and relied on himself and didn't trust in God to get back to where he could rely on God for everything. In Egypt, he trusted himself. He tried to take care of himself, everything himself. In Egypt, he didn't spend any time alone with God the Father. The fact that Pharaoh let him leave after he had lied to Pharaoh and called a curse to come upon Pharaoh's house is a sign of God's grace. Here's what this teaches us. When we are far from God, our Heavenly Father will use a lot of things to bring us back to Him. And every one of them are grace. With Abraham, he used a rebuke from Pharaoh. Again, in Genesis 12, 18, and Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Why didst thou not tell me she was thy wife? So Abraham, God uses a rebuke from a wicked man to get, to get Abraham to go, You know what? I'm not where I need to be. I need to get back to God. When, you remember what he used with the prodigal son? He used, he used starvation and pig slop. With his prodigal son who left the father, who took all of, his, all of his possessions and left the father and lived his life for himself and, and lived it up. And then he finds himself broke and poor. And this Jewish boy is feeding pigs. He's like, man, I wish I could eat the stuff the pigs are eating. You ever seen pig slop? I've never looked at pig slop and thought, mmm, that looks tasty. Now, I've looked at the result of pig slop in bacon form and said, that looks tasty. But I've never looked at pig slop and said, oh, I want a spoonful of that. But this boy is so poor, so hungry, he looks at the pig slop and says, man, I wish I could eat that. I need to get back to the Father. God will use a lot of things to bring us to the point where we say, i got to get back to God. i got to stop trusting myself. I've got to get back into a relationship with God. He'll use those things to get you to remove yourself from Egypt. So it involves removing. Second thing that the journey back involves, it involves returning. Look at verse number three again. And he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel unto a place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Not only do we need to remove ourselves from the land of Egypt, we need to return to the place where God wants us to be. See, we first here we see that he returned, number one, or letter A there, he returned to the place of God's worship. The Bible says after he left Egypt, he returned to the place of the altar. When Abraham was in Egypt, there were no altars. There were no sacrifices made. There were no prayers offered up to God. There was, there was no relationship with God at all while he was in Egypt. We will never live a fulfilled, joyful Christian life as a child of God until we return to the place where we walk with God and we return to the place where we worship God. When we are not living by faith, 
We're not fellowshipping with God. We are not spending time with the only source of comfort, the only source of provision, the only source of protection that he has promised us. When we leave Egypt to return to a place of worship and fellowship with God the Father, we are returning to a relationship with God. So we return to the place of worship. Let her be there. He returned to the place of God's working. Abraham, he returned to the place where God had worked in his life before. He returns to where, God, where he had left God. There's a lot of times in our life where we feel like God is far from us. Where, I mean, I know we've all felt it where you, you pray and it feels like your prayers aren't even getting up past the ceiling. You feel like God's just a billion miles away. We've, I hope you've had times where you pray and you feel like God's right there and you feel God so close to you and you feel God speaking to you. But then there's times where you feel like God's just, God's left me. Well, here's the truth. God's never left you. If you are far from God, it's not because God left you, it's because you left God. God didn't leave Abraham. Abraham left God. Because God has promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So he left where God was working in his life to go to a place where he was working for himself. And when he returned to God, he had to return to a place of God's working. We need to return to the altar of God, return to the place where we left him and walk with him again. Because God is waiting there to meet with us. See, God says, Bible, James says, you draw an eye to God and he'll draw an eye to you. God says, you come on back and I'll meet you halfway. There's an old country song, we'll meet in the middle. Y'all ever heard that? Meet that old Georgia pine. I know you've probably heard it. You know, you start walking your way, I'll start walking mine. We'll meet in the middle. Meet that old Georgia pine. God says, God says hey, you start walking to me and I'll, start, I'll, I'll meet you halfway. God's not up in heaven trying to say, with this, making us jump through all these hoops and say, you better be perfect if you want to spend time with me. God says, no, I want to spend time with you. Just come on back home. Just return to the place of God's working. And let her see there, he returned to the place of God's will. He returned to the place where God had sent him. Canaan represented the perfect will of God for Abraham. The place where God can bless you the most, the place where God can use you the most, is the place where he places you. It may not seem ideal to you. There may be a famine. But if God placed you there, that's where God's going to bless you. The safest place for you is where God wants you, not where you want to be or not where you think is best to be. Abraham thought it would be safer in Egypt because of the famine, but he had to lie to protect himself. He never lies in Canaan. He never comes across a group of people in Canaan and says, oh, this is my, my sister, not my wife, wink, wink. Why? Because that's where God was going to protect him. So he comes against arm. I mean, he's leading raids with like four guys. He's leading raids on armies and destroying armies. Why? Because God's with him and God's fighting for him. And man, this is where God's going to protect me. The safest place for you to be, if there's, if there's battles, if there's wars, if there's famine, is where God wants you to be. He never had to lie to protect himself in Canaan. So if he's going to return to God, it involves removing. It involves returning. And thirdly, it involves reviving. Again, in verses 3 and 4. And he went up in his journeys from the south even to Bethel into the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai into the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Reviving is reestablishing a relationship with God. First of all, he revived his devotion to God. He came back to the place of the altar. 
He came back to the place where he had met with God, where he had relied on God, where he had trusted in God at the beginning of his relationship with God. He had a renewal to be back in the presence of God. Look, for the believer, the sweetest place to be is in the presence of God the Father. No matter what's going on around you, the greatest place to be is in the presence of God, especially when you've been gone for a while. He had a desire to get back to God. Look, there's a, there's a, there's a problem with the child of God who can live far away from the Father and have no desire to get back. If you say, man, I'm a child of God, but I'm living for myself and I'm living for me and I don't care what God wants, I'm going to live up my life because, hey, I'm saved. One saved, always saved. Amen. I can do what I want to do and I'm okay. You, you might want to check your relationship with God because if you can live far from him and not want to get back to him, there's a problem there. God wants us to desire to worship him. God wants us to desire to walk with him over anything else in life. So if we can get away from him and stay away with no desire to return, there is something wrong with your heart for God. The altar represents a place of sacrifice, represents a place of seeking the Lord, of repentance, of surrender, of thanksgiving, of praise, of worship. And when we leave Egypt to return to God, we need to revive our devotion and worship of God. Secondly, he revived his dependence on God. The Bible tells us that Abraham, when he got back, he called on the name of the Lord. He's through with Egypt, and he does what he should have done in the first place when he's in Canaan and the famine hits. He relies on God. Before he left Canaan, he should have gone to God and said, God, I don't, this is where you want me to be. I don't understand it because there's a famine there. I'm having trouble providing. But Lord, you promised to take care of me. So God, I trust in you. But he didn't. He trusted himself. Now he gets back and says, God, I should have done this months ago. I'm back to trusting in you. Too often we look everywhere for help instead of looking to God. We are to depend on God for everything in our life. God wants us to walk by faith with him. Look, we cannot please God unless we walk by faith with him. Hebrews 11 says, But without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God wants us to rely on him, to seek him, to walk with him, to have faith in him, to trust him, to keep his promises, because he's never broken one of them. He revived his dependence on God, and finally, he revived his dedication to God. His doubt that caused him to leave God in the first place has been dealt with. He returned to where the Bible says his tent had been the beginning. And he went back to the altar where he had made there at the first. He has experienced a renewal of his love for God. Too many believers, we've walked away from their love of God and not returned. We need a revival of our dedication to God. We need to fall in love with Jesus again. Look, days spent away from God are wasted days. Abraham got nothing done for the kingdom of God in Egypt. He wasted every second he spent away from God. And every moment you spend away from God is wasted time that you could be doing something for God. How many, I wonder how many of us this morning would have to admit that we are more down in our walk with God than we are up. We're still down a little bit in Egypt instead of walking back up into Canaan. 
When, when, our, when we are in our down place spiritually, the Lord can't bless us. When we are away from God, God can't use us. God can't, be, God can't walk with us. He can't use us like he desires to. We need to take the same steps that Abraham took to come back up into our relationship with God again. I don't know where you are spiritually this morning. I don't know what your need is, spiritually speaking. But if you need to come to God and seek his forgiveness, God says he'll give forgiveness for those who ask. If we, if we, if we ask, he'll give it to us. If we need to come to God to, to seek his love, to, to, to love him again, to thank him, to pray for a lost loved one, and for any reason at all, God says he will gladly meet us at the altar to revive our relationship with him. We need to determine in our hearts that Egypt is no place for us to dwell and we're going to get back to Canaan no matter what it costs us. So this morning, are you living in Egypt or are you going back up to Canaan? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for the day you've given us. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege we have to learn from, Lord, the failures of Abraham. Lord, a man who, who you called your friend, a man who, Lord, you used to bless the world and bring the Savior to all of humanity. God, but he had, he had mistakes. He had failures, but God, his failures didn't define him because you show us how he got back into a relationship with you. So, Lord, help us not to define ourselves by the times we spent in Egypt, but help us to determine to leave Egypt and walk with you no matter what the cost. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let's all stand together. As Miss Trudy begins to play, if the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart this morning,